Come in. Hey, man, I'm sorry. I'm late. The train's asleep. Shut up. You're here. And good thing, because we've got lots of work. The talk show featuring unforgettable guests with incredible jobs. And now, here's my boss and your host, Katie Lazarus. I'm very thrilled to be with Mr. Seth Herzog, who I have known. Um, if I say how long I've known you, it just reminds me how old we are. So I'll we, We've known each other for about four or five months. <laughs> yeah, there we go. There we go. Seth was one of the first comedians that I saw performing on um, on stage and was like very, very wowed. Um, he is probably most famous for playing Wonder Woman on Jimmy Fallon, but he's also a writer there and hosts um, the eponymous downtown show, which you must check out when you are in New York, called Sweet. Um, not only because celebrities stop by, not only because some of the best comics actually try out new material, not only because there's a DJ that actually can be really funny, but most importantly because of um, Seth and his mom and Seth dancing. So that's actually a great place to, to start. Seth, Yeah. we are older. How do you dance like that? <laughs> Very impressed. Um, I still try to get the dancing out. I danced, I danced last night a lot, actually, on, the sh- on, our, on my little show. Um, uh, you just got to do it. And, I, you know, at the Tonight Show, I do it every day. With the roots, I dance like for four or five minutes every day. Okay, wait. So let's start at sleepaway camp because you know when I was young, like I went to sleepaway camp, and my parents sent me to a very Jewy sleepaway camp, Jewish, excuse me, sleepaway camp because right. I grew up in a really waspy area. So they're like, you should meet Jews. We'll send you off and do it. Oh, because yeah, because only Jews really go to sleepaway camp. I've learned I like. Uh, other people in other cultures, other states, even like in the they West, don't they don't go to camp at all. Like they don't have no so idea. When I say, oh, I went to camp for every summer and I know these people for camp. So many people like I've never was never part of my life. Like everyone who was like West of like Virginia. I know exactly what you're talking about. Every, everyone who camp. has nature in a way that's not just a suburban yeah. form of yeah. it, basically. Yeah. yeah. But so you grew up in Princeton, New Jersey? Princeton, yeah. And then you went to an arts camp, and I was like, I went so to Sage Drum Manor for five summers. I, I went to theater camp, hardcore theater camp. Like, it's, I thought it was very serious and professional when I was there, and now it's way even way more professional and serious than it was when I was a kid. And also, your camp was the basis for a very famous film? Two movies. Okay. None of them particularly famous. Okay. Camp, you know that one? No. Camp was is a fictionalized musical version of the camp that. Oh, wait a minute! I do. I think I've actually seen yeah. it. Yeah. Yes. And it's a very funny musical sort of fictionalized version of the camp, just called just called Camp. It's like a, it's like the the people who who watch Glee who like love this film. Yes. Yes. You know, it's like pre Glee. Okay. And and then there was a d- d- documentary, um, Stage Door, which was yes, a documentary about the okay. about the camp that. One of my best friends from camp, Jonathan Sherman, his wife, Alexandra Shiva, who's a great documentary, and she was so curious about why all of these friends of ours from camp all still hang out with each other. There's a big group of yeah, us so from Stage Door who all... who were your friends from Stage Door that you really connected with? Well, you know, actor Josh Charles, and then... Um, An Employee of the Month alumni. I believe that Employee of the Month actually made his career. It did. He, he was I nothing before that's... Employee of the Month. Once he did your podcast, things really took, took he off. He got on to Dead Poet Society. Yes, he got yes. into that film, yes, The Good yes. Wife. Because he, did, he did your podcast in 1988. Yeah. And then um, Adam um, Mornoff, who's now Adam Moreno, who's a great screenwriter and oh, director yes. and singer, and he can really do it, do it all. 
he was one of my one of my best friends. And Teddy Goldstein is a singer songwriter. We, me, me, Josh, Teddy, and Adam were had a acapella singing group Man, called adorbs. the Be- uh, the Beachcombers. So wait, so that actually is a good segue to. So where did you go out? You grew up in Princeton, New Jersey, correct? Yeah. Yep. And is Michael Showalter in those? Showalter is from Princeton. We Dave know each other. No, no David's from, from Ohio, Ohio. Ohio. But Mike and I were very close from third grade on. In fact, he's the reason I really got into theater. In fourth grade. Mike went to audition for a play at McCarter Theater, which is the big like regional theater down there. Wow. And he'd want to go alone. So I went with him to the audition and I ended up getting the part. I think he's still mad about it. I um, bet you he is, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know him well enough, but I know him well enough. Yeah, so that, I saw that, that was my first professional play. What was, was the part? It was called All the Way Home, which was a theatrical uh, version of the book A Death in the Family. It was a very serious. Wow. How old were you? Ah, fourth grade. Yikes. So it was like a very serious play about death that took place in 1914. So it was like this weird turn-of-the-century play about death. Wow. And I was one of the the young... It's really centered around this young boy, and I was one of his friends. So this young boy had a really big part, like this other kid who got that part. Yeah. Uh, He has a giant part, and it was really tough for like a young, like, eight-year-old kid. It's incredible. I just saw Lion. Did you see that film? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like... A, no women in their 20s, 30s, or 40s should be allowed to see that movie because all you want to do is, like, go adopt children. I know. <laughs> like, it should just I be know. banned on that. I but, know. you know, it's incredible, and part yeah. of what makes it incredible is that this that young kid. kid. Is the, it's a, such an amazing job. I don't know how they found that kid. He's so great. It's unreal. Yeah. But he's just being himself, which is where I feel like we're yeah. all trying to get back to anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so, so I had a small part. I was one of – I played – actually, I played second boy. That was the official name of the part, yeah. Second Boy. And, but it, what's funny is in the Samuel French version, you know in the Samuel French version they say who played the original, who originated each part, right? Wow. When you get the script yeah. that says like who originated, yeah. Jeff Conway originated Second Boy originally. That's <laughs> in the incredible. original New York version of but that play. Doesn't that make you feel like we're all on the same boat? Like, yeah. It like... really was really cool for me because I was a Grease fan at the time. Because Grease had just had come out. So I was like, Jeff Conway originated the part that I'm playing right now? Isn't that cool? But it, it is true. Yeah. It is true. Like, whenever I speak with people on the show, whether they're extremely famous, very hot at that moment, yeah. or, like, just getting started or whatever it is, like, you're, we're all in the same boat. Like, somewhere boat. Kevin Klein has been turned down for something he wanted. Of course. You know? Of course. And I think that that's something that there is – it's important to draw – like a sense yeah. of camaraderie, I think. Yeah, that. I mean, I, you know, maybe presumptuous of me, but when I got out of college, I knew I really wanted to like act as like a profession. You know, I hate when people say, do you want to be an actor? No, I am one. Yes. This is happening. Especially because right after college, I got into a few plays. So could you just live off of that? I did for a while. I got other jobs. Like I was, I was young and I was in New York at this point, and I'm like just doing any odd job. Yeah. I had so Many crazy odd worst? jobs. <laughs> crazy jobs. And then doing a commercial like every few months made, got some yeah. extra cash. It wasn't, it wasn't like I made a ton of money on commercials because I only did – the commercials I did ended up being like small market commercials. Yeah. So it would be like in Wisconsin, in Texas, in Oregon. So you yeah. get like little checks, but it wasn't like a ton of money. You get like totally $300 every week or something like that. It wasn't, you know. But that's also good to know because I think yeah. there's this sort of like, and then I'll get a commercial and everything will be fine. Yeah. And it's like, no. Very few. There was one Wendy's ad that I did was that was a football ad that would run nationally during football games. That was the last one I did. Wow. And I got, I made a pretty decent amount. Not even that much. Like I think I made like $10,000. And that was a lot 
Oh yeah. But that was like far and away the most I ever made on an, on an ad. That's incredible. You know, yeah. So what were some of the weird odd jobs you were doing during that time? <sighs> One of the funniest odd jobs, um, someone, he was an, a window designer for like stores. He would design yeah, yeah, like yeah. the st- yes. store windows. So he goes, oh, he needed a lot of extra help. He was paying like $10 an hour under the t- table. So there was no taxes on it. And for like, I don't know how many weeks, like six weeks I worked for him. Fabulous. And but the first job was, he showed me a Rothko print, okay, mm-hmm. and he was like, "I have a client who wants this painting. They can't afford this painting, so we're gonna remake it for them." So he sat me up with an easel and like you know um, stretched canvas, and I spent three days, literally just making strokes of brown, different shades of brown. Make, remaking this Rothko print as close to the exact thing as I possibly could. That is an incredibly weird world over yeah. odd job. That is, and I have no idea how much they paid him to, to have someone make it. You the know? whole thing is fascinating. I've never yeah. even thought, first of all, that they would have an, uh, someone who isn't an artist necessarily. Well, yeah, I mean, an artist, but I wasn't like a painter. They commissioned an artist. Like, he's a designer artist. They commissioned his office to do it. He just farmed it out to me, not knowing me at all. <laughs> First day. <laughs> So you can tell what he really <laughs> believes about Rothko. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So someone in their house has an original Herzog. <laughs> that is brilliant. I wish oh I had God. signed it. Oh, my God. That is amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's making my head explode. <laughs> Wait. So, okay. You are one of the most beloved people. Oh, that that's true. It is true. <laughs> and you have tons and tons of friends. Mm-hmm. And you also throw these really fun parties. Yeah, here and, and there. S- so when did that start? When I first moved to New York, I got I was very lucky to get plugged into a group that was already formed, more okay. or less. Okay. More or less. It was just starting to form when I moved to, Enough moved to New York. Enough room that they would like also let you in. Yeah, because it was I mean? like all these different groups were just, knew each other from different colleges. Like there was like a Brown group and a Vassar group. They were all actors and knew each other uh, from different things. Um, And there was, so there was a, you know, and then Jonathan Sherman, who I knew from camp, and he was working with the Malapart guys, which was Ethan Hawke's group. And Ethan is also um, from Princeton, Jersey as well. Oh, he is? Okay, I just saw him last night in a a funny coincidence of seeing this movie he's in, Maudie, and he was really sweet. He was, like, at the whole thing. Oh, good. He is this, he's, the, he's the best. He was lovely. Yeah. yeah. So Ethan and I weren't great friends growing up, but we had a lot of mutual friends. And then we came to New York. We were hanging out a lot with yeah, everyone else. Even though no one was really known except for Ethan at the time, but there's, like, Sam Rockwell and Billy Crudup and Alessandro Nivola and all the oh state God. guys. And it was a giant group of actors. Liev hung out with us a lot, and it was great. But yeah. everyone was, like, 25 at the time. By the time it was like 28, 29, like that's when like everything kind of splintered and half the people moved to LA and then people started like getting relationships and getting married Age. and sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like even if we were in a different profession, yeah. like that is that's what starts just to what happen. happens. Yeah. Just when I was getting in there. Yeah. Wait, so, um, so my question to you is wh- with all of these parties, I guess my, my real. Oh, so the parties things happen. All right, sorry, I forgot about that question. That you just used happened. You throw all these like yeah. super fun parties. You yeah. still do. Uh, occasionally, I do. I do a Halloween, and I did New Year's Eve this year, and then I do a little birthday thing, and that's pretty much it. But I used to be much more frequent, and it started because I just got asked to do it. Like I was throwing a few parties in my old apartment, my first apartment, Zog's place. Zog's place. No, before that, okay. I lived. I lived in Times Square before Zog's place with Adam, and wow. we used to throw parties there a lot at that space because that was a pretty big space. And that's where it started. 
And those were fun parties. And then I moved into a small space where I couldn't have anyone over. Which we will talk about. Yeah. yeah which has now become like a myth. And I want to It's just, a myth. I want to keep propagating the myth. But I want to like, it <laughs> yeah. has like a documentary There's about it. It's a documentary it. that you can't watch. You can't see it. But there it exists. There was an article about it too. The Village Voice did an yeah. article about it, which I thought no one would ever read. But it was right when the internet started. Yes. <laughs> so that article came out right when the internet became a thing. So all of a sudden, like when you Google me, it's the only thing that came up. <laughs> I feel was like this article in the Voice about my apartment that I didn't want to do and I was embarrassed about and begging me. And I said, and I said, it was 115 square feet. 115 square feet. Triangle. It's basically the size of this little space right now. Which is the size of a large IKEA table. Yeah. Like a breakfast yeah. table. Not even a dining room. Table. And it was a triangle. It was a weird <laughs> shape. So I lived there for a lot of years. How many years? Fourteen. Oh my god! <laughs> but I was paying three ninety eight a month. I am going to point out that you were a player also, so it's obviously <laughs> that you have very good skills in a certain capacity. <laughs> I was not a player. Women in their but they 20s wouldn't. And 30s to come on. Very over. few women came over to my house. Oh, I see. You were able to go to theirs. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> well, the funny thing about the apartment was. Um, I lived in a small space, and I, I had a lot of stuff. So it was a lot of stuff in a small space. And the joke was whenever someone was looking like they were going to come over, especially a female, yeah. I would say, okay, you have to know. I would warn them over and over and over again. You have to know I live in a really small space. And they'd be like, okay, it's New York. We all live in small spaces. I'm like, no, 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 no. Whatever you're thinking about, you're imagining this small space to be, half it, half that. We're almost there. <laughs> And they'd laugh like you're doing. They'd be like, oh, that's pretty cute, whatever, whatever. And I was like, you understand, it's really small. And then we'd get there. And every single time, <laughs> they would, 20 minutes, 20 minutes of, of are you serious? <laughs> Looking around to see if there was extra hallways that they were missing. Wait, there's like some trap There was door some other, is this, is there going to lead to something else? Yes. Like every t 20 minutes of, this is it? This is where you live? I kept saying, I warned you a hundred times. <laughs> you never believed me. Did it? Ha okay, so how, what was the bathroom situation? The hallway. In the hallway. Yeah, down and the what hall. What about the kitchen? What? <laughs> no kitchen. That is sink. I was telling some friends, I'm going to clean this up. I'm going to like throw it, because there's lots of stuff around. I'm going to throw out everything and make it as clean as I can. Yeah. They're like, well, let's come over and document it before you throw everything, everything out. So these, these friends of mine came over and made a documentary about me and my stuff in the apartment. And then they started interviewing everyone I know about the apartment. So it ended up becoming this whole movie. Because not only about me giving a tour and talking about the space, but then they interviewed like 20 friends. I love this. <laughs> so then, and then they screened it and it did well. And then they got into some festivals, but they were selling it online. And you could buy it online for a while for like 10 bucks. You could have probably paid your rent. Yeah, right. Totally. Just from selling those films. Yeah. So a lot of people bought it and then they stopped selling it because the festivals didn't want it in the festival if you could buy oh, yes. it. Yes. No, that's right. They want exclusivity. Yeah. So then they, so you only could buy it online for like, Maybe less than a year. I very few people saw it in real in its real lifeness. <laughs> you know, I kept a pretty small group of people who saw it. So I also know because I actually was on a pilot with you. Um, you got a ton of like pilot hosting deals and things like. No, this. none. I wish I had a bunch. You were which pilot are you it talking was a dating about? One was it the AMC thing. Yes. You were on that? Yes, I got I can't caught. believe I don't remember that. You remember who won, who I picked? Who? Sarah Haynes, who's on The View now. Oh, wow. Well, great. You know, <laughs> I think we know who is a great interviewer. She is great on that show, I have yeah. to say. That's right. Um, so you run the thing where I had to interview all these different dates for AMC? Yeah. I went to go watch the first episode, and I was, think, the only person cut. You weren't in the, the episode no, of it? it was 
devastating. I don't remember. I was like, this is my first Because they showed it. It was like interstitials for like a film. Can I just tell you the funniest right. saddest yeah, part? Yeah. I was like, I'm going to watch this because, you know, when I'm more successful, I, I probably won't get to see everything I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> That's the cutest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. So from that, I just assumed you were shooting tons of No. I did another thing for AMC kind of a talking head jokey thing about the Oscars right after that. Oh, fun. Yeah. Um, just It was like gearing up to the Oscars and just making fun of whatever was nominated that year. And I ended up doing that as a web series for MTV later. Like, so that's great. Seth Herzog breaks it? it breaks it down, which was just, I would just sort of make fun of the nominees every year. So then how did VH1's Best Week Ever come to be? That started, that was just getting a lot of heat. I think I really want to credit Mike Black, who also was another um, Michael Ian staged, Black. Yeah, Michael Black, Not another confused stage door person. Probably the five million Mike Black. Oh, yeah, exactly. Right. Right. Well, he was um, Schwartz at the time. Black and I just had missed each other at camp. But then we hosted a show on Nat Geo together two years ago. Oh, how was randomly, that? Just randomly we got cast as hosts. Fun. I loved it. I wish we were doing it again. It was so, so much fun. It was a science comedy show called uh, Duck Quacks Don't Echo. It was adapted okay. from a British show of the same name. Sounds so fun. And, and Tom Papa, Mike Black, and I hosted the show oh, wow. where we would each – it was a lot of improv. We didn't have much of a script. Yeah. And we would each give, have, do like a science experiment for the audience, a live audience. And in a funny way, we'd do a science experiment or prove a thing, and the audience would vote on who proved it the best. I'm so glad that they had three white males hosting. <laughs> it's about you know? time. It's about time. Just, I'm so thrilled. Wait, okay. <laughs> so then tell me how you started, because you were on Conan before. I did three sketches on Conan in like the, when Late Night first started, when he first okay. started. here in New York. In New York. So you do like three sketches on Conan. Yeah. Which makes perfect sense. Well, I was an actor first. Kids. That's the thing. Like, yeah. I was tr- doing theater and that sort of stuff is like, a, you know, as we said, it's like an eight-year-old. So, like, I came to comedy as a theater person. In fact, when I, f- when I finished college, my we had to – I was in, like, theater company at school. Yeah. At college. And we had to, like, be debriefed when you're in the company of, like, from the department head of, like, what how you did and what they think you should be doing, whatever. So I had to have, like, an exit meeting. And – to her credit, the woman who ran, ran the department, who's still running, I think is an absolute genius. What school was genius. this? I went to Rhodes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, in Memphis. Yeah. Crazy little school. That's awesome. She said, you should do stand-up. That's, that was her whole interview. And I was like, Incredible. I was almost insulted, though. I was like, I'm an actor. I'm like yeah. a theater actor. She's but like, no. a compliment. <laughs> She's like, no. You, she goes, you're talented. You could do whatever you want if you really wanted to. But you should just do stand-up. That was her thing to me. Okay, so then how did Fallon come about? Because that's also like a um, job to me of like yeah. out doing warm up. I still do that. I think it is every like, day. I did it just now, right before I came here. It's very fun, and I'm glad Jimmy made me do it. He made me do it. I bet. I said no <laughs> when he first why? asked me. So tell me why you didn't at first. Well, he, I mean, we had originally. It's so funny. We had originally, originally met. He doesn't remember back in like right before he was on SNL. Yeah. Oh, because. One of my stage door friends was a casting director in town. Who's that? Danielle Diller. She doesn't do it anymore. Okay. She was working for... Oh, my God. It's I okay. Forget. She was working for a big casting director who's still doing it. Okay. And she, she used to call me for pilots, just come in audition for this and that. She called me constantly. You know, she was really nice about it. And she called me one day, and she says, Oh, my God, we just met the funniest, most charming dude ever. 
and she's telling me all about the meeting and how funny he was. I'm like, why are you telling me this? I know. Why are you calling me that you met someone Your funnier than me? Your competition is so, so amazing. great. Yeah. She was like. And he's humble. You know, yeah. it's an amazing combination. So she literally spent five minutes on the phone <laughs> telling me how great this kid was that they just they just met. And they were in love with him. And then she goes, well, he's doing stand-up tonight. And you have to come with us. We want you to come and, and meet him. So we met briefly that night after the show. And I remember actually Danielle and I went to a diner next door to where the club was. And we were just chatting and eating and Jimmy was at the counter by himself at the same diner just going over his set talking to himself I love it <laughs> just like I love it. reworking it and reworking yes. it and I remember thinking like should we go over and say hi and we're like I think he's in the zone let's just leave him alone yeah I love it <laughs> then he gets in his now da, 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 da. we ended up meeting a bunch of times later through mutual friends yeah and then it wasn't till 2005 I was in one of the Stella videos so like they would just do short films, literally spend so much money in production to do these short films only to show them once at Fez. <laughs> that was wow. it. And then they would start to post them on, online just as the internet started to like blow up. And Jimmy loved my part. He apparently became obsessed with my bit. And I would hear this from, we had a lot of mutual friends who was like, oh yeah, I was over at his house. He kept showing me this video with you in it and how much he liked your thing. <laughs> what was the bit? It was just literally dancing around in my underwear. Okay. That, that was all sense, it was. But like, That's all it was. Fifty years later. Yeah, exactly. You're on this yeah, 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 yeah. So he, so we became buds from that video. We sort of remet again at a party after he like zeroed in on who I was, and then we started hanging out. That's you awesome. know, so we started hanging out, and like you know, every couple months we'd hang out or run into each other at a party or yeah. something like that. And then you knew I was a stand-up. We'd talk about comedy and such. And then um, late night came up in you know 2009, and he came up to me at a party. Uh, it was a bur- um, birthday party of someone else. He was like, dude, you got to be the warm-up guy. You're it. you got to be the dude. That's so cool. It's going to be great. I think you'll be perfect. And I had so many other projects I was working on at the time. I'd yes. like, I was doing a lot of VH1 at the time, and I was doing these other TV shows. And I, I was like, I don't know if I have time. I don't think I have time. Right. And the real reason was— This is also was, the danger of our business, too, right. because like, if you don't have the expectation that those projects are going to necessarily come to fruition yeah. when they're supposed yeah. to— Yeah, yeah. Who knows? And I also, the other thing was, I had a bee in my bonnet about like warm up guys. I just yeah. didn't think they no, were no, funny. No, 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 totally. They were the, the road comics in my sort head. Sort of. Just they like the... old guys who aren't yeah. funny. Yes. And that was my previous experience with them. They're like, oh, yeah. these guys have just never made it and they're not funny and they're just like hacky. I was like, I don't want to be lumped in with those guys. Anyway, so I, 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 I didn't say no. Here's the truth. He likes to say I said no. I said Let's maybe I'll do it. I'll split it with someone else. I'll do like half the week. But that's so smart. That's what I said. That was so smart of you. Seth. And he took it as a no. He was like, "You don't want to do it. I'm offering you a job. You don't want to do this, really." So he took it as, a, as like a no. And then I emailed him. He didn't respond. I was like, "I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it." And then I emailed him a couple times. He didn't respond. I guess he was busy. And the first test show happened. He had asked some other dudes to do it. I guess they didn't do a good job. I'm so glad. And then he emails me 8 a.m after the first test show, he's like, you have to come and do this. I was like, I'm in, let's do it. Um, and I, from the, so that was the second test show. And from the third test show on, I've been doing it. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm so impressed because you have a ton of projects going on, which I know you can't talk about one with people who might, their last name might run. <laughs> um, but you are working on movies and other, and other projects. Yeah, I did this. I, I was very lucky that the uh, Levinson brothers, now okay. Steven Levinson, who, and I've known Joel and just Stephen Levinson. Can we just from talk about that a long for time one ago. second? Yeah. So like Joel, like didn't he? He won all these contests. Yes, he's a director, 
and like a Reese's Pieces kind of. He practice. his whole thing for years and years was every time a company did a video contest, That's like if you make a video, you win this thing. He entered every single one of yes. them. Yes. And he would make these hilariously brilliant little videos. The New York Times did a whole spread on this because yeah. he, he was really good, he, A. I he mean, that's really, he's that's very what, funny and he's a really good director. But yeah. he had never done a feature. So he had spent the last, I don't know how many years, doing these like shorts, internet shorts for different contests. So then his brother is this great director and actually he No, did writer. These, writer, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, Stephen writes on our show now. Oh, he does? He does, I'm yeah. so happy to hear that. Yeah. He's also an ex- like I know people in showbiz say like he's a nice guy, but he's like he is a genuinely yeah. lovely human yeah. being. And he and Rob Cutner used to do this like Purim spiel. That I was in every year. Oh. That's how I got to be friends with them. Okay. So I, way before Stephen wrote on our show, I knew Joel and Stephen from the Perm Spiel. That I was, I was in, the in Perm every, Spiel. You with did you once and Julie or twice. Yeah, just once. You were only, only once. I, I remember you were in it once. And so you're doing a film with them. We shot a movie last year uh, that that's Joel and Stephen wrote called um, Boy Band. About nice. a boy band. Perfect. That's old. Well, basically, the joke is we were popular in like 1999, 2000, yes. and now it's now. They're st- they're still in the studio trying to make their second album. So their first album was big. It's been 16, 17 years, and they haven't made a second album. And they're still trying to figure out what the second album is going to going to be. And they haven't left they haven't left the studio. So they're still dressed like it's 1999. It's like I very wacky. The sort of joke of the film is that they're all 40-something now, but they're still writing songs like they want to make out with these teenage girls because yeah. they still think they're, like, 20. So then someone else who's an outside perspective comes into the room and is like, this is the creepiest thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. So then they have to change their whole, their, whole, their whole thing. Do you feel like as you've gotten older, your desires have changed in terms of what you want or in terms of what you aspire to, to do? I feel like... In some ways, in some ways it hasn't. Like, you know, it depends on what range you're talking about. Like near goals, slightly farther, slightly farther, slightly farther. So like everything's always changing in terms of like what I want to do and how I want to do it. Um, But a different range and a different scale, you know, it depends on like, what do I want to get done today? What do I want to get done this week, this month, this year? It's always different. I mean, remember John Hamm was on the show and he said, you know, if I didn't make it, I would have quit. And I thought, well, in that person's version, I may not have made it. Yeah. You know? It depends what that means to different people. Yes. Like John Viner, who I used yeah. to host this other comedy show with, you know, Josh Weinstein and Ophir Eisberg. I and John Viner and I do. used to host this, um, The Industry Room, which is a weekly comedy show we did for about a year and a half. And which Viner, I loved. Viner, I didn't mean to interrupt, yeah. is a writer for Family Guy. And he's very funny. And he used to do this before he was successful in the way that he is now. We would do this comedy show together, and he used to do this joke where, um, you know, you hear a lot of stories of, like, a lot of famous actors be like, oh, man, I was really getting ready to quit. I was on my last dime. And then I got this part. I don't know what would have happened if I hadn't got this part. And John goes, I get to find out every day what would have happened. Love it. Love it. Love it. You know what's funny? Everyone else who didn't get that part got to find out what would have happened. Yeah, totally. I love that so much. That is so cathartic. It's also this sort of, you know, idea that one circumstance like even me saying like you got into stage door manner like right my heart well at the time you didn't have to get in you just signed up yes but also <laughs> that if you didn't go to stage door manner right. you probably could have gotten in another way and like someone right. else would have seen you and something Maybe. else would have happened yeah. like so it, it's not all one you know yeah. one um, no, shot it's not one thing it's a, that's the other thing is that when people say give advice like 
it's a, a bit of a cliche, but like preparation meets opportunity. Like there's no one shot. There's no one break. Everyone, as you were saying, everyone thinks like, oh, if I just get an agent, everything's going to be okay. If yes. I just get, and a lot of people, women are even like, if I just get a relationship, everything's going to be okay. If I just get married, yeah. everything's going to be okay. It's oh. not. It's not going to be okay. And and not one thing is going to fix your life. Even me just joking about like, oh, I'm so glad these white males are getting the opportunity. Right. On another side, it's very hard as a white male, and it's not as hard as it is being a female and <laughs> a female of color or, yes. you know, like all the other things. Yeah. But in another way, to be able to say like, no, I'm different than the five million other ones you've gone through already. Yeah. So like, I think that everyone has their own challenges in different everyone ways. Everyone definitely has yeah. their own challenges. Yeah. I've learned that a thousand, the, a thousand times. They're and on Michigas. And, the, and it's just how many times you put yourself out there, how many shots on goal you make, and then some of them are gonna go through and 90% aren't. Yeah. But you have to just keep trying. Like, you know, it's funny. You've, like, I wouldn't have even thought of myself as someone who's even successful right now. Like, I don't. I think as someone who's like, doing okay. Yeah, but Some I, th- I think I of you as doing really well. I know, but that's your perception and not yeah. mine. Yeah. Well, on my way here, I was talking to someone on the phone, and he's like, I feel like, you know, you're like a marginal New York celebrity. and Marginal being the key word. Right? And so in his head, he goes, and to me, that's the pinnacle of success. I really want to be that. And he genuinely meant it. you can marginally it. make it New York, you can marginally make it anywhere. <laughs> he genuinely meant it. He was like, that's the level of fame I it? want. Um, I can't say. Oh, his you name. have to. No, I can't. But it was Someone such I a know? It, no. But it was such. Oh, a, I don't know him. No. Okay. And it was such a funny moment because I was like, uh huh. <laughs> you know, and it is. is right? It's all relative. It's all like, relative. It is all relative. And like, as a human being, I feel fully realized. You know, my like career success is partly is actually like I'm not good at selling myself in a room. I could like have the Middle East peace crisis, like how to solve it. And I would go on and be like, I mean, I think it's pretty good, but you know, it may not be right. So there are certain things that are under my control and there are certain things that are seemingly under my control, like being able to sell yourself better that I actually may not get good at. Um, And then there's just the rest of life. And I feel like what growing older is Mm -hmm. good about is just like not taking things as personally. Yes, do not take things personally. Because then what you end up festering, like if someone doesn't give you the respect you want or yeah. whatever the thing is yeah. and you take it personally it's really not about you and then yeah. you it festers and then you get resentful and like you have to let that go yeah. it's hard it's very hard to let, let, let that go but you have to because it's a balance between also ensuring you feel because if you don't have any passion like if you don't mm-hmm. get excited when you get that gig at all there's no point like there is no yeah. point to being yeah. in this field if you yeah. do not enjoy the joys. Yeah. I know some people are very zen and they're like, I don't read the positive acclaim because I don't want to also take in the criticism. Oh, that's interesting. And I'm like, you know what? I don't get enough acclaim <laughs> to not read the good. It's better to, I mean, like, I know it was Clooney who I, he said once, um, and it's a lot of people have said the version of it, like, you're never as good as they say you are and you're never as bad as they say, yeah. say you are. And it's both true. Can I tell you one last funny story yeah. on that note? Like, so I was performing in LA on Maria Bamford's show oh, that yeah, you, she yeah, had, yeah. and I was struggling. Like, I did okay, you know? And afterwards, Pat Oswalt was so nice, and he's like, I really like that joke you did here, and like, the audience obviously really liked oh, that. That's great. And then Bill Burr goes, Katie, Katie, the whole room, the whole room. You got to get the whole room. And it was like such a great moment because both of them were correct. That was like a really good bit. And yeah, Katie, you need to get the whole room. So like that bit's not good enough. You're only getting half. Yeah. Yeah. And so 
that is also stand-up in a, like, nutshell to me where, like, some people are really good eggs <laughs> and some people are going to be honest with you and you may not want to hear it, but in some ways it was actually very helpful to me mm-hmm. because I was like, Katie, do you want to do this? Because yeah. if you want to do this, you got to be able to perform in podunk whatever yep. and make sure yep. that you can get the whole room. Yep. Um, and at the same time, there are people who are like niche stars, I want to say, mm-hmm. marginally, mm-hmm. regionally famous, or even bigger, who are actually just niche comedians. So you, you don't want to like get bogged down by it if that is your passion. But I actually found it very freeing. I was like, I don't want to do stand-up anymore. Yeah. I want to do like hosting Others, a talk show, yeah. writing, storytelling. like. And so I don't know. Sometimes advice can be good, I would say, even if it like hurts at the moment. Yeah. I love that Bill said that. He's a really interesting character. I, I've always dug him. No, it was mean. It was like an, a mean, obnoxious oh, comment. Mean? Yeah, it's mean for like an extremely famous, successful comedian to be like, Katie, Katie, the whole room. But the truth is, is that I can handle it. Yeah. And I was like, thank you. Because it, it, yeah. it made me think, is what I would say about like, by the way, you are going to be needing to get the whole room. It's true. He's right. But at the same time, like... That's why I like both. You cannot pander to, you cannot rewrite the joke to the lowest common denominator. Like, I feel like you have to write what you genuinely, what you think is funny in your point of view. And if it's, but it's not going to work in every room. I think having both that moment where like Patton said something really nice about a joke I did too, Uh and Bill Burr being like, you've got to get the whole room. What I got out of that moment is that I may never be successful mainstream. That's yeah. just, like, not in my cards. Right. And that's okay. But, like, that means you cannot make a living doing stand-up on the road. You know what I mean? Right. There were there were other yeah. factors to, like, call call in there. And then it yeah. was like, I don't even really want to be doing stand-up. I want to be hosting a show. Yeah. So it was, a, it was a wonderful, honest moment to have to hold these two things. Mm-hmm. And you can go deeper and say, like, yeah, I can be really funny for five minutes or 15 minutes or 45 minutes. But that doesn't make a stand-up career. Yeah. I want to thank Seth Herzog for being here. I want to recommend that people follow him on Twitter at the Zog or Z-O-G. Instagram Seth Zog S E T H Z O G. I've been doing a lot of that. I really enjoy Instagram, and I love I, it. Love a, it. I would enjoy it because it hasn't been ruined quite yet by Facebook. Um, yeah. And B, Twitter actually, I get so depressed, and then my tweets it's are a like, lot of politics. "Please save all of these Darfurian refugees!" Like everything becomes so. Yeah painful because of what Trump is doing. That but I love real. Twitter for that thing. Like, when I want to look at the news real fast, I just look at it's Twitter and I look what everyone's saying and I read the articles and like... It's the it's greatest. Great. You get yeah. everything up to the minute. But I just have to curb the amount of time I spend on Twitter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, go check out Sap. Check out Sweet if you're in New York. And um, I want to... It's at the Slip Room Tuesdays, 9 o'clock. Awesome. And it is. It's, it's almost every week, right? Almost every week. I think we take August off, but it's almost every single week. How many years running now? We're just about to be 13. Okay. Well, congratulations on your bar mitzvah. You're going to have a bar mitzvah party, right? Oh, right. I forgot we are going to do Who that. Who is going to get credit for that? No, Katie someone Lazarus. else suggested no, it last, no, last year. No, no, I remember someone suggested it no, last year. No, no, no. This is the first person to come up with the idea <laughs> yes, the first that at age idea. 13, a Jew yeah. who is hosting a comedy show yeah. should make it into a bar mitzvah. We should have the show's bar mitzvah, yeah. Clearly, yeah. I was the first person to come up with this. I forgot. We're going to do I have to organize that, yeah. In fact, not even just Jewish comedians, but Jews at 13 should get bar mitzvahs. I yeah. came up with that. 
So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that that was solved here. Thank you for being an employee of the month, and thank you all for listening. Thank Thanks. you for this for this award. What a beautiful uh, award I have now. And now you can put it in your apartment, which is more than 115 square it's a feet. Big one, yeah. Look how far you've come. I know. You and Virginia Slims, you've come a long way. Baby. <laughs> All right, thanks. Bye.